0: This lovely sunny Sunday morning, and you're all very welcome to here in person. And also, if you're listening online through Facebook, maybe later on on YouTube, or through your CD on the street, you are all very welcome indeed. And on your behalf, I give a very warm welcome back to the Reverend Ellick Chambers. Good to have you back with us again, Alex. and indeed to Joy. I see Joy down in the back row there. Joy's definitely no stranger to us, but you're very welcome back, Alec. We're delighted you're here. We enjoy your ministry with us and amongst us and your friendship, and we also enjoyed your participation and contribution with Keith Children at the Recent Pack too. So thank you very much for that. You're very welcome indeed. Just a few quick announcements to make in advance of our morning service, and I must say that currently next Sunday morning will be as usual at eleven o'clock. And next Sunday morning service will be led and conducted by the Reverend Colin Harris at 11.30am yeah. Mark Annals has asked me to announce that there will be a meeting this Thursday evening the 21st uh, about the holiday Bible Club, which is due to take place in August so he's looking for help, support yeah. and volunteers basically so if you're willing and able and can commit to that we meeting on Thursday evening in the church hall at 8pm our church secretary has asked me to announce there will be a meeting of church committee on Monday the 25th at 8pm in the church hall. And he's asked me to stress that this is an important meeting about the future of the months, and a full attendance of all committee members will be required. Uh, comfort our Christian Conference Centre is currently seeking catering staff uh, there's a v- variety of opportunities available there and um, with flexible hours and uh, with good late night shifts. So there'll be details about that on our screen, but also will be available on our Facebook site if you know anybody would be interested in working with the Caswell Christian Conference Centre. These are all the announcements and I hand the word to the record.
1: your very kind words of welcome. Uh, it, it really is a uh, joy and delight to be here in Social Triangle. And it's glad to see you, to see all of you who are here. Uh, I know this is a holiday time so I really did not know um, how many people would be here. And it's lovely to see the choir. Now you've probably seen them over the past few weeks but the last time I was here. Course, it's, the choir, so it's really nice to see the choir. To lead us today in I don't suppose the book of Zephaniah, one of the so called minor prophets, I don't suppose the book of Zephaniah is a book that is often read or often preached upon. And maybe some of us have to confess it's not really a book that we're that familiar with. Well, When you go home today, we encourage you to to find the book of Zephaniah and look it up and and have a little read. It's just just a few chapters. It wouldn't take very long. But but in Zephaniah chapter 3, the prophet is speaking about the city of Jerusalem. And he's speaking about the city of Jerusalem in a very, very sad time. And in in Zephaniah chapter 3, He speaks about the the secular leaders and rulers. And here's what he says. He says, her her officials are roaring lions. Her rulers are evening wolves. And then he moves along from the secular leaders to the religious leaders. And he says this, her prophets are arrogant. They are treacherous men her priests profane the sanctuary. They do violence to the Lord. What a sad picture the prophet paints of the city of Jerusalem. But what does he do? In the midst of all this, he lifts his eyes heavenward and he looks to the Lord. And here's what he says. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no wrong. Morning by morning he dispenses his justice. And every new day he does not fail. When everything was falling apart in Jerusalem, he says every new day the Lord does not fail. Isn't that a wonderful thought as we begin our service today? No matter what happens throughout this week, no matter what any day will bring, every day we awake we can be sure that the Lord will not fear us. We're going to sing a wonderful hymn. It's an old hymn, but, but it's the... It's the modern uh, version uh, by the Gettys. We, we were in the church, Joy and I were in the church there a few weeks back in Korea. Uh, and of course the Gettys walked in uh, and joined the congregation. And here's one of their hymns, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. So let's all stand and sing together. We rejoice, Lord, today in health and in strength that allows us to gather together here in this place. And we thank the Lord, for this beautiful day that thou hast given us to enjoy. And Father, we ask thee most of all today that we might enjoy thy presence as we meet together here. We thank thee, Lord, that thy promise is that where two or three even gather in thy name, thou art in the midst. And so, Lord, we pray that we might be conscious today that thou art here, thou art with us. We thank thee, Lord, today that every individual is known and is important and is precious, O oh God, to thee. And so, Father, we thank thee today that thou dost not look at us just merely as a gathering, as a company, as a number of people, but, Lord, thou dost see us as individuals, thou dost see us wherever we happen to be. And so we ask, Lord, that thou would be pleased to come today and to minister to us and to speak to our hearts. Lord, we thank you for the boys and girls that are in our midst today. And we ask, Lord, that as we come shortly to speak to them, that, Lord, that Thou would bless them. And it is our desire, Lord, that every boy and girl and every man will come to that place in life where they acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ personally as Saviour and as Lord. Thank you that we have commenced today by thinking about the cross. Help us, O oh God, today to think much. Even though the story is so familiar to us, help us to think much about about what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us at Calvary. So we we just pray, Lord, that thou will come among us and bless us each one. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to read some verses together, please, uh, from the New Testament today. And we're going to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So we're turning in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm one of these strange people who can't see unless they take their glasses off. Of course, I can't see you when I have them off, but I can't help that. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to begin at 1 1. We're going to read the whole chapter. Uh, because it's quite a a short chapter, really. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, I know the reading probably will will be on the screen, or if you have a Bible, you're certainly welcome uh, to turn to it. We remind ourselves that this is God's Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Bible, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance Inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait For His Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Well then we're reading there at the end of that first chapter. And we know the Lord is always pleased to bless the public reading of his words. Well good morning boys and girls. Where are you all? I see some of you up there. I wasn't sure whether there would be any or not. Um, You know, as a congregation, you should be very thankful to have children and young people uh, among you. I I, I sometimes speak in congregations and in churches and there's really no children there at all. So you should be most thankful to the Lord uh, that the Lord has given you. Uh, these children and these boys and girls now boys and girls I have a picture for you well I hope we have a picture for you you see the the technicians never fail if I was up there at this moment in time you wouldn't know what might happen but there we are we have a picture okay anybody very courageous today tell me what that's a picture of any boys and girls yes shout it out
2: a road
1: a road, a road. did you say a road yeah that's a road now maybe we should ask the, 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 the older people do they know what road that is oh do you know what road that is yes dual it's it's a dual carriageway that's right Which dual carriageway is it, I wonder? Yes, A1.
0: That's
1: the A1. See, a well-travelled young man there knows this is the A1. So this is the A1. And uh, if you were in Van Bridge and you wanted uh, to go to Belfast, you would be down this road uh, before you would join the M1 and so on. And if you were in Hillsborough and you wanted to go to Newry, you'd travel. Hopefully in the opposite carriageway of course and go back towards Nure and back towards the border so this is the road, the A1 very familiar to many of us ok, we've got another picture for you now there we go I wonder what sort of a road that is, anybody know? yes, motorway. that's a motorway and that's a very big motorway isn't it? ok
0: yeah.
1: Mother, has anybody got any idea what motorway? yes yeah. It's? M2. No. It's not in Northern Ireland. I'll give you a little clue. Okay. I know there are people here who know this road very well. This is the M6 motorway. I know you didn't really know what it was today because the cars are actually moving on it. And if you've travelled around the M6, you know exactly what I mean because very often the traffic stops. So, uh, the, the M6 motorway. So if you happen to go across to Cairn Ryan and, and travel out, you would eventually join up with the M6 and maybe then you could go to Birmingham or go to Manchester or uh, at least part of the way you would be on that. Maybe go to Blackpool if you were going there for your holidays. Roads. Something we're very familiar with. And, and many of us will know the roads that are round about and, and maybe you've already travelled on some of them today, uh, or maybe as you leave the church you'll travel on them. Maybe some of you will go down the Eury Road, or maybe out the Heldtown Road, or maybe out the Loch Brickman Road. We are very familiar with roads. A road, as we travel along it, takes us somewhere. And as you read the Bible, boys and girls, you'll find that, that it talks about roads, There's a man, he's called Philip, and he was told to go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So roads, when we travel along them, take us some place. Now the Lord Jesus talked about a more important road. A more important road. The road that leads to life. And many of, of the adults here today And the mums and as many of you will know uh, the verse, you maybe could quote it off by heart. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The road to life, the road to heaven. Now, the road to heaven is, it's not a road that we can see like the Bond bridge road but it's real, the Lord. Nevertheless. And the Lord Jesus, boys and girls, said that he is actually that road. He said these words, I am the way, or the road if you like, I am the way, the truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So boys and girls, here's something that all of us, men and women, young people, something that we all need to do we need to come to the Lord Jesus and we need to ask him to be our saviour and when we do that then we begin to travel on the road that leads to heaven so when you're going out the road today as you leave church or maybe this afternoon you're going someplace I trust you'll remember about the more important coming to the Lord Jesus And that starts us out on the road to heaven. Now we've got a song for you to sing, a hymn for you to sing. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. So I hope you boys and girls, if you know this and you're able to read the words, I hope you'll sing it out uh, really well. Thank you. give thee thanks for the boys and girls. We ask you God that thou will give help to pray for this church and for this congregation Lord we ask thee today for thy blessing upon the Reverend Colin Harris as he oversees the work Lord as he comes to occupy the pulpit God willing next week we ask Lord the double will bless him but Lord in the day to day affairs that, that he must tend to as far as the church is concerned We ask, Lord, that thou would give him help. And we pray, Lord, that he will be a blessing to the congregation here. And we ask, Lord, that Lord, the congregation here will also be a blessing to him. Bless him, Lord, and bless his own congregation, we pray, even in Banbridge. Father, Father, We thank you for David and for his fellow elders in in this congregation. We know, Lord, that that they have a lot of weight and responsibility upon them at this time of vacancy. And so we pray that Thou will bless them. May they, Lord, know thy help and thy guidance. And even, Lord, as those who, who argue other occupy other positions think of members of the committee who have been mentioned today we ask Lord that, that each one might be conscious of seeking Lord to know thy mind and thy will and others Lord who perhaps uh, at other times teach in organisations or uh, perhaps Lord in, in, in Sunday school or those Lord who, who seek to serve thee within this congregation we just ask, O oh God, that thou will bless and, and, and give help to each one. And we ask, O oh God, that this congregation might prosper and go forward with thy good hand upon it. We think of the congregation, Lord, especially at this time of vacancy. We remember that the Lord Jesus asked us to pray for something very specific. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest fields. And Lord, we have been asked to pray about this even recently that that men will be called and brought forward that they might be trained for the work of the ministry so that many congregations that are vacant might have a man to shepherd the flock and to teach Thy Word of God, Thy Word, O God, and to proclaim the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for every member of this congregation that they might know Thy help and Thy blessing. Remember any Lord who are laid aside in sickness. We pray, Lord, that they might be conscious of thy nearness. Those, Lord, who have particular burdens and responsibility and caring for folks who are ill, we ask, Lord, that Thou will give them the strength and help that they need. And those, Lord, who have suffered loss and bereavement, we know, Lord, for the people involved, it's not just something that lasts for a day or two. Great loss and sadness
2: can live with us year after year. And so we, we pray, O oh God,
1: that I will comfort hearts the Lord. And Lord, today we cannot but lift up our hearts again for the situation in the land of Ukraine. As we hear, Lord, of terrible things being done, people being killed, even though the story of Ukraine has very much dropped out of the headlines in the name. Yet, Lord, people are suffering and people are dying. Men are, are, are perpetrating evil deeds. Lord, we just want to commit that situation to Thee and pray that Thou will overrule. So, Father, we, we, we ask that Thou will continue with us as in a moment or two we open Thy Word and as we give time to study it together, we ask, Lord, that Thou will make it a blessing to us. We ask in Jesus' name. if you have your Bible with you today uh, and you'd like uh, to to turn to it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 I'm sure that that many, probably all of us indeed will be familiar with the expression all roads lead to Rome and that in a sense sums up the philosophy of the ancient Roman Empire as that empire grew and became stronger and spread far and wide they built roads connecting the whole territory to Rome at at the height of Rome's power it is said that there were 29 great highways that really ate it out from the city of Rome. And we might well have a picture of a road somewhere. Perhaps, there we go. It's not a very good picture. That's not the the fault of the people. It's my fault uh, for for the way that I I send it to you. But there you are. uh, (coughs) uh, Quite a An imposing structure, a wide road in this particular bit, very straight and, of course, paved. And and these roads ran all around the Roman Empire. And as we know, many of them outlived the empire that built them. And many examples are still to be found, even in Britain today. Now, we can understand why they built roads. They built roads, their primary purpose was to aid the movement of troops. So if they needed, trouble had arisen and they needed to move troops. These roads helped them very quickly to move roads. And of course, the fact that the roads were there greatly benefited business and commerce. But most importantly, in the providence of God when God's servants started to go out across the Roman Empire to preach the story of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ they were able to use these roads now one of these roads the Via Ignatia ran across the north of Greece And though we might not read it as we read the scripture text, Paul and his companions travelled along that road on their second missionary journey. And so in Acts chapter 17, we read that they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia and they arrived at Thessalonica. These were places, of course, that were on the Via Ignatia very soon after Paul visited Thessalonica and then moved on, very soon he wrote this epistle to the church that had been born through his ministry. And today we we read the opening chapter of this first epistle to the church at Thessalonica. Now I want to highlight the last two verses of this passage. So if you look at verse 9 and at verse 10, here's what we read. For they themselves report what kind of reception you give us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You know, just recently, I, I read those verses. And three thoughts just struck me as I read them. And I want to share them with you. You see, when you you come to these two verses, you will find, first of all, there's something here that God has done. I wonder, did you notice, even as we read them there, did you notice God doing something? Did you notice that Paul said, God has done something? It's there in verse 10. He raised Jesus from the dead to wait for his son from heaven, whom he, God, raised from the dead. And you know that's often the theme of the apostles in the early chapters of the book of Acts. On several occasions, Peter the apostle emphasized that very thing on the day of Pentecost Peter said God has raised this Jesus to life when the man who who was laying lying at the beautiful gate of the temple was healed the crowd rushed together and Peter addressed them and here's what he said, he said you killed the author of life but God raised him From the dead. And when they were called to to give account by the Jewish leaders, Peter spoke about the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead. And when Paul was addressing the great king Herod Agrippa, speaking about the resurrection of Christ, he said, Why should it be thought a thing incredible? that God should raise the dead. And so we're not surprised when we come to First Thessalonians that the Apostle Paul speaks about the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. Matthew tells us that on the first day of the week there was a great earthquake and an angel descended from heaven and rolled back stone. You know, that didn't happen to let Jesus out. That didn't happen to release it, to to release them from the tomb. It was just to let people see in that the tomb was empty and that God had raised him from the dead. We will well know that the followers of Christ at first couldn't believe it and wouldn't believe it. Jesus had actually told them that this would happen. Even his enemies, even his enemies knew that he had spoke about this because they went to pay and they said, we remember that that deceiver when he was still alive said, after three days I will rise again. That's why they saved the stone, and that's why they put a guard upon the tomb. But when the thing that Jesus spoke about actually took place, the disciples couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. They were hard to convince. Luke tells us that some of the women went early to the tomb, and that the stone was rolled away, and the tomb was empty. Uh, and they they saw angels who told them that Jesus was risen so they ran back and and they, they, they told it to the disciples what did they think? the Bible says it seemed to them an idle tale and I'm sure all of us know the reaction of Thomas when the disciples said Thomas the Lord is risen we have seen him He said, I will not believe unless I put my finger into the nail prints. I will not believe. But amazingly, in spite of the original doubt, all of them went on to proclaim that Christ was truly risen. And many of them, including ten of the original disciples, Maintained that Christ was risen even though it cost them their very lives. Is there any greater evidence of the reality of the resurrection than that? Something God has done. He raised Jesus from the dead. You know, Paul returns to that theme a little later in this epistle. Because there flows from this fact, the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead, there flows from that a very, very practical and relevant message. Listen to what he wrote in First Thessalonians chapter four. He said, Brothers, verse thirteen, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And he he ends this part of his epistle by saying we're for comfort one another with these words. God raised Jesus from the dead and because of that there's a glorious hope that because Christ has risen those who have fallen asleep in him will rise also truly it is well with them. And surely we can find comfort in these words. something That God has done. But you know when you come back to these two verses. You will discover. That the apostle talks about something they have done. Something they have done. According to Paul. These people did something. If you look at verse 9. They tell how you turned to God from idols. To serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. what's, What's the apostle talking about here? He's talking about repentance and eternity. They were going one way and they turned to go another way. Or to use a good old Bible word, he's speaking about their conversion. Now that's a bad word in some quarters today. But it's a Bible word, nevertheless. He's talking about conversion. And If you look, Paul has a great deal to say about that in this epistle. He outlines how that came about. He tells us how he came to Thessalonica. He preached the gospel. Now if you compare the actual historical account of his coming uh, to Thessalonica, you'll see exactly what the message was he preached. He preached about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ and he preached about the resurrection. Now first of all he preached in the synagogue of the Jews, he always did that to the Jew first and then afterwards even though it's not recorded in the historical account He he actually went on to preach to the Gentiles. And obviously, most of the people in the church at Thessalonica came from this Gentile background. What did happen to them? As they listened... To the message that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. They became convinced. Paul says they accepted the message not as the word of men but as it was in reality the word of God. And as a result they were brought to turn away from false worship. They repented of sin and they came to personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to use a word that Paul uses in this epistle they were saved they became believers they didn't merely hear the gospel but they responded to it and they embraced it Paul as was often the case faced great opposition and and there's a reference to that of course about their suffering because they embraced the gospel but you know, unknown to themselves, the, his enemies in Thessalonica give a wonderful description of the message that Paul preached. According to Acts 17, verse 7, the Jewish leaders made this complaint against Paul. They said... He preaches that there is another king. One Jesus. It wasn't the disciples that said that. It wasn't the supporters of Paul who said that. It was his enemies who said Paul is preaching another king. One Jesus. And when the people in Thessalonica heard this message they willingly surrendered to him and they acknowledged him as their king and that's something that everybody needs to do now many will not be like the people of Thessalonica many will not set up idols of wood and stone and bow down to them but nevertheless, the Bible tells us that all men are sinners and they need to be converted. Many, many people know the gospel, but it's not enough to know it. We have to personally respond to it. And we remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, he said, except ye be converted, ye cannot. Print that word in big letters. Except ye be converted, ye cannot seek the kingdom of God. Except ye repent, Jesus said, ye shall all likewise perish. I'm sure many of us will know today that every chapter in First Thessalonians has a reference to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every chapter has a reference to the second coming of the Lord Jesus. So, for example, if you look at chapter 2, verse 19, it talks about the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes chapter 3, the very last words of that chapter, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones, we've already read the reference in chapter 4. And in chapter 5, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And here we have it in this, to wait for his son from heaven. The, the idea that Christ will come. That there'll be the trumpet blast. We had the trumpet blast up in the square there last week. But the Bible says there's a day coming when there'll be a blast of the trumpet. And when Christ will split the crowds and he will come again. You know, the idea of that fills many people with fear and terror, and so it should. So it should, if they do not know him. A savior, for the Bible says he's coming to take vengeance on them that know not God, and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus. What if the trumpet should sound today, men and women, what if the trumpet should sound today to hurl the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? But these people weren't a bit faithful. They were looking for it. They were waiting for it. In anticipation, they were looking forward to it. They gladly would have welcomed them because they have come to know him. You know, Paul went on in the second epistle, and you can read it in the Second Thessalonians to describe what took place. When he came along the Roman road and he entered the city of Thessalonica and, and he went into the synagogue and then he went out among the Gentiles and he preached about Christ's suffering and rising from the dead. He, he describes what took place in a very special way. Because in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured, just as it was with you. He says, here's what happened when we came to Thessalonica The message of God spread rapidly. It went through the city like a rushing mighty wind. And many were brought to faith in Christ. And he says, pray that it will happen where I am now. (coughs) Pray that it will happen everywhere. Everywhere. That's something that's something that you and I need to pray about too. How wonderful to see the gospel advancing, to see God's word being blessed and souls being brought to, to Christ. For it's not happening very much today. Let's take it upon our hearts and pray that we might see God's word advancing my God and many being brought to faith in Christ. What what God has done he raised Jesus from the dead. What they have done they have repented and embraced the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. But if you come to these verses you'll find it tells us something that Jesus has done. You see according to this verse. Jesus has done something. The very last words of the chapter. Jesus who rescues us. Isn't that very handy? I don't know whether you're into a liberation or not. But it's very handy. God raised Jesus from the dead. These people were brought to repentance. And when they came to faith in Christ, they discovered that Jesus rescued them. The wrath to come, or the coming wrath as it is here. You know the Bible speaks about that. People might not want to hear it, but the Bible speaks about it. Not once or twice, but many, many times. Revelation 6 verse 16 says they called to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the, the Lamb for the great day of his wrath has come. And who will stand and yet there's one who rescues who rescues us from the coming and every man and woman, every young person here today can say, Here is something. If we have come to Christ and we know Him as Savior, here is something every one of us can say, here's something Jesus has done for me. He has rescued us. And and why can He rescue us from the wrath of God? Because He died for him. He died for there's an old hymn that says, the wrath of God that was our due upon the land was laid. And by the shedding of his blood the death for us was paid. Something God has done. He raised up Jesus with all the hope that that gives us. Something they have done. Repent it. They turned to Christ and they rejoiced in salvation. Something Jesus has If we know him as Savior, he has rescued us. The wrath of God will never come near us because we are not appointed to wrath, as this epistle says. May God bless his word. We're going to sing together as we close today. You're the word of God. I know everybody would probably like a drink now. do